Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sunday, May 1st, 2022. Uh, welcome to episode 17 of the Now Mind You podcast. I'm TJ. I'm your mom's favorite podcaster. Oh, I'm Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm We're sorry. keeping this in because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but who are you? So, so let them know, man. Oh, Matt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, this is another episode of the Mind You podcast. This is our manga episode for episode 17. Uh, we got a short one for y'all today because maybe there was some type of holiday going on in Japan this past week, but there were no new releases of our usual roster. We did, however, get a new Hajime no Ippo. We did, however, get a new Kaiju number eight. So I guess the the our regular Sunday uh, Shonen Jump releases kind of took a break this week. They should all be back next week. Uh, with that being said, we got the manga, and of course, we got our topic of the week, which this week, Matt, is... Our martial arts influences. Correct, right? So with that being said, and without wasting any more time, Let's just jump into it with Hajime no Ippo. Matt? So we get Hajime no Ippo, chapter 1379, entitled, What I Can Do Now. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this is a pretty funny chapter. TJ and I kind of talked about this uh, off, you know, obviously uh, off the record, I guess, but we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it again. Yeah, and, uh, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to go there. <laughs> And so we start off this chapter um, still pretty much picking up with Wally and Vorg in New York. Mm-hmm. And their two coaches are talking. And they're pretty much talking about uh, Wally's prospects fighting against Ricardo. And let's just be real. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not great. It has not been fantastic. And, um, you know. That's pretty much what they're getting at, but they were pretty much as they're having a conversation, Vorg and Wally are also having a conversation. So the coaches are just talking and, you know, he's talking to Wally's coach, just essentially telling him, like, what do you think his chances are of doing this? Like, you know, and and he was also asking him, like, what have you been teaching him? He's like, basically, he's been making aside from teaching him words and making him literate, like, Right. He's just been trying to shape the diamond in the rough, basically. Like he's just showing him things that he can do, but for the most part, letting him do his own thing. Um, and he wants to see how far that'll take him, which I kind of feel like he just didn't learn personally. I feel like dude just didn't learn from the Brian Hawk situation, but that's just me. Like maybe you should have a little more say you know, in your fighters. But again, like right. I said, that's just me. Right, right. Um, but essentially his coaches are like, he doesn't have really that great a chance, but it's the fact that he has any chance at all that, you know, that we even are caring about. And that's pretty much all he really needs. And I can understand that as well. I mean, look, everybody in boxing has a, what's that they say, a puncher's chance, right? Right. So, you know, to a degree, I guess you just got to honor it. Then we switch over to uh, Vorg and Wally, where Wally is basically telling Vorg that he wants to be a zoologist um, and, you know, just understand things about the environment and, you know, 
because of his love for nature and animals and stuff like that. Yeah. And he seemed to be real, real passionate about that. It's admirable, but mistaken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very admirable. You know, he was all super about that and, you know, just wanting to fix things and, you know, that's pretty much what his real plan is. But until that time, he wants to get a world title for his coach. Which, which is also admirable. Yeah. Also a very admirable thing. But um if you when you when you coming for Ricardo, <clears throat> the only thing that needs to be on your mind is Ricardo. Not Say it one more Ma- time for the people in the back, sir. When you coming for Ricardo, the only thing that should be on your mind is Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Not what you're gonna do when you're done boxing, mm-hmm. not getting a belt for somebody else. Ricardo, because this guy, this guy's different, to say the least. This guy's different. This mm-hmm. dude is like. Anyway, we're we're gonna actually get into <laughs> it. It's actually funny that, that that we're even on there. We're gonna get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um. So after where I and I actually thought this was the end of it, but it wasn't the end of the chapter. What ends up taking place afterwards is they transition over to Epo fishing with his two underlings <laughs> and with Kumi. And, you know, they were pretty much talking about Mashiba's injuries uh, from his fight and about how he has um, his lower jawbone is like cracked. But mm-hmm. it, because it was a clean break, you know, he should heal up pretty quickly. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's just going to have to take a short break from boxing, which really makes sense considering the amount of damage he took in that fight and the hits that he was taking. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Getting that, those uppercuts that snapping his neck back to the point he can right. see behind him, I would imagine, you know. Right, right. Like, you know, Lord only knows what type of damage his opponent took. Right. So. You know, so you want to be a fighter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, um, so they're talking about it, and the little two guys under him are like, wow, like, look how they can just really carelessly talk about, like, a jaw injury. And that's kind of when they, like, reflected on uh, Date's jaw injury, where they were talking about how, like, even to this day, he sometimes still has trouble chewing. <laughs> now, the point of reference for that is they were just talking about Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Ricardo is the person who did this to Dante. And that was like, even within their timeline, like over two years ago. Right. That was like a significant amount of time has passed since that happened. Like Epo's entire featherweight title run took place after that. Right. Dante has not been active. <laughs> like, and he's still having trouble still, chewing. Yeah. Like, nah, man. Anyway, so he's, you know, pretty much talking to Kumi and telling her that he's going to Mexico for a match. And, you know, she's all like, wait a minute, what kind of match? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it was just, Epo's going to be Epo. Mm-hmm. But she starts, I think she kind of starts prying, uh, prying. You know what I'm saying? She kind of, she is like, she's becoming an architect of her own destruction, if I put it, you know, just to put it away, right? I can understand that, yeah. Because she desperately wants to keep Epo away from boxing, but she's almost primarily the main person that brings it up to him. Mm-hmm. And That's a good call out. When she brings up that um, he's going to Mexico for Ricardo, and she's like, well, why? 
And he was like, it's really just for uh, for research. It's not like I'd ever fight again. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think it'd be cool. And um, she's like, okay, well, then what does Miata mean to you? Since, you know, it seems like he's not thinking about boxer, which I thought was like, you flipped the wrong switch. Right. And he automatically said, he's my goal. And then he says, well, rather than is, he was. That would be more correct. And mm-hmm. the chapter kind of ends on that note. But it still teases Epo. Mm-hmm. It's still teasing, like, what if he gets reignited when he goes out to Mexico and sees them fight? You know, what's going to happen when Epo sees somebody like Ricardo deal with a mutual opponent? We already know he's a nerd of the highest degree. Right. You know, especially as when it comes to, like, combat. Right. So... You know, it, I'd be very curious to see. Very, very curious to see. I mean, I'm just ready for him to get to Mexico at this point and see yeah. what's going to happen, you know, once they get to that part of the arc. But those are pretty much my thoughts, TJ. How you feeling? Uh, let's get into my thoughts, I guess, right? Um, for one, I was trying not to laugh a lot during those quality <laughs> scenes because we already had a bunch of laughs earlier this week. Um, but uh, no particular order. Here we go. Uh, I think Coach Miguel's eyebrows could give Eugene Levy's eyebrows a run for their money. Let's just get Facts. that out of the way. Um, out the gate. <laughs> I think <laughs> Dan Kichi, Coach Dan Kichi and Coach Miguel mm-hmm. both acknowledge, right, that there's no real chance of Wally winning. But Miguel, it, I think he's coming at it from the perspective that this will at least get the greatest performance out of Wally. It's like he, like, like you were kind of alluding to, it's like, bro, you should take a little bit more direction, but I think he's taking direction or his lack of direction is in the sense that I'm going to just give you all the tools or polish you to the point where you can shine at your brightest, right? Which may or may not mean a champ, a world championship. It could just mean like, I'm going to get him to fight his best fight because there's no way fighting Ricardo won't bring out the best in you. Well, if you manage to last past like the first second, but uh, that well, I guess we'll find out. But I think that's the perspective Coach Miguel might be coming at it from. Um, mm-hmm. Bro, when Vogue was given was going into that internal monologue, I was just like, "Us too, Vogue. Us too. We didn't expect yeah, Wally man. to utter phrases about climate change, right? We are Vogue. Yeah, Vorg I wasn't expecting <laughs> right. I wasn't expecting Vogue to like be so. I mean, not Vogue Wally to be so like really aware of the world right, around right. Like to be that. so well spoken about uh those issues right um however <laughs> if we know anything about our tropes in manga movies whatever form of media books the death flags are strong on our mm-hmm. boy uh wally right um yeah. i mean it's like like you were saying right you can't challenge someone like ricardo and have something else on your heart right you have to be focused wally's thinking about zoology when the only thought that should be occupying his thoughts should be one man, Ricardo Martinez. He ain't going to make it. Uh, I predict he will be a zoologist. But after this fight, that's a wrap on the tree climbing and animal chasing. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to live the same, right? <laughs> like, no man does. Like, for real, dude, they were talking about Dante. I mean, listen, Wally's going to try that rolling thunder punch of his or whatever, and then he won't be able to walk. Like, that. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, because we've never seen up to this point Ricardo get upset. Because, like, what was the, the the fight in Mexico or before that when it was like uh, Sendo fought the dude 
who had fought, I want to say, Ricardo last, or am I tripping? But it was like, when it was like Mexico versus- he fought Mexico, Alfredo. Ricardo versus Alfredo. And then mm-hmm. Ricardo was like, all right, let me see if I can have a little fun. And it was over, <laughs> right? Right, like, like we oh, never- Oh, yeah, seen, yeah, you you're talking, talking about when he did the title defense. He yeah, did, he like, fought as mandatory. And he, and he was, was just hoping like, the guy would be more of a challenge. Exactly, and it was just like, it was just like, as soon as he got, he, I wouldn't even say it was serious. It's like, all right, let me just get into this. And it was, the fight was just over. Um, and and then we're thinking like Wally, like people are like, you know, chances might not be zero. They're zero. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, I laughed when Ward was like, you're incredible, you know, with Wally expressing all the climate change thoughts and whatnot, followed yeah. by, honestly, I can't see any chance of winning. Yeah, it's like, you're incredible, Wally. Like, you're going to be, like, hey, be a fire zoologist. I'm going to miss you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're going to go crazy as a zoologist. That's, <laughs> yeah. yep. that's, that's crazy, man. You don't forget boxing, though. But that's zoology? Um, zoology, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, seemed like, <laughs> seemed, seemed like you got that. Yeah. Like, I laughed, too, when Ipo, like, you touched on it, right? Ipo and Kumi casually mentioning uh, Date's, like, second life-altering injury at the hands of Ricardo. And Ipo was smiling. Like, come on, fam. You know, apparently, even now, he still has some trouble chewing. <laughs> like, he just mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is just, uh, this is every day. That's not crazy. Um, but anyway, uh, I still maintain him. But this, I'm saying this uh, on the record. We had talked about this off the record, but, like, Kumi is definitely a bronze medalist in terms of menace energy at this point. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, hold on. Reed, just, just to touch on something again real quick, just because I, I had to look it up just uh-huh. for myself. Uh-huh. The the Date-Edgy fight with uh, Ricardo, as far as their timeline is concerned, took place over five years ago. Okay. Okay. Just just to add. Just but it's little, still just, that fresh in their memory. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you see a man basically be murdered right in front of you. I think it'd be when your memory is right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with uh, what you said about Kumi being the architecture of her own demise. Because, like, once Ipo sees Ricardo or even Miata, obviously his urge to fight is just going to peak. Mm. Um, shout out to Ipo's Freudian slip, though. Like, He's not slick. We know it's not was. He he meant that shit. He meant to say is. Yeah, he um, said exactly what he meant. Exactly, exactly. But that's all I thought. I thought it was a fun chapter. Um, I still feel like we're we're still in those those blow off chapters. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to get like, let's go to Mexico already. I mean, it seems like they're setting that up with the whole kind of zooming out from the pier where they're fishing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like it might transition to the next thing, but it's like I thought it was going to transition like seven chapters ago, <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. I don't know. Even when it's a filler or like a blow off chapter, it's still really good and it's still Epo. So I'm not mad either way. I'm just happy we got a chapter of Epo this week. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you, and that's always a reason to be happy. Real talk. You got anything else you want to say about Epo before I take us into Kaiju number eight? Nah, bro. You got it. You go ahead, take take us on that ride. All right. Kaiju number eight by Naoya Matsumoto, chapter 61, titled Chapter 61. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, previous chapter, uh, last panel, what did we have? We had 
Leno basically putting on a clinic of what it looks like to fight with a powered suit on, uh, with a kaiju-based suit on, and uh, Iharu Furuhashi basically being like, don't leave me behind, Leno, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we get into the summary, this is going to be a quick one, right? But basically, we go into a flashback of Furuhashi's kind of path to the present, if you will, right? Like, him being a highly touted prospect from his school, from like the university entrance exams, from like just ex- succeeding and exceeding in university, to him getting into the, uh, was it, Japanese Anti-Kaiju Defense Force, the J-A-K-D-F, right? Mm-hmm. And then him encountering real monsters and going from there, right? Uh, cutting to basically him getting into some self-pity session, right? Because he just got defeated by a yoju. Right. And you have to understand that Yoju are not the Honjo, right? I should say that's it. Yeah, the Hon Honju, sorry. Right. The Honju are the typical kaiju that they'd face, like the full-size kaiju, if you will. The Yoju are like kind of the um, I don't know, like the followers, the the underling kaiju, if you will, that follow the Honju, right? So Furuhashi is struggling with this this uh yoju and is like going through that self-pity session but then we cut to leno engaging with all of them uh like he's just been mopping the floor with the kaiju left and right uh but now he's face to face with the honju right the actual the the actual threat the leader of the kaiju in this case that he is sent out to defeat and also to kind of test out this whole suit and how he handles the suit um we also see that as he's engaging with the kaiju He's unleashing more and more of the combat power, but something seems off as he's drawing more and more power from the suit. Like things just don't look right. And we finally get to this last panel, which is along the lines of, I'm just fine. In fact, my head has never been cleared. And this is Leno responding. So it's like, hey, you okay? And then uh, Captain Ogata of the fourth division saying, this is bad. And then Furuhashi like kind of looking on like in shock of like Leno, you know? Um, let's get into my review. I feel like this chapter reinforces a theory I kind of put out last week in the sense that uh, Iharu, or is it Ihara? I forget. But let's, I'll just go by Furuhashi because I got the last name down. But uh, essentially, Furuhashi was highly touted. He, like, I mean, Matt, you summed it up the best with this one expression you have, right? Like, he was the best in his local gym. He was number one in his local gym. Now he's in the league and he's seen that everybody's number one in their local gyms and not all number ones are equal, right? Yeah. Um, he the best where he from, but everybody yeah. else is the best where they from too. Yeah, and that and apparently the best don't mean the same depending on where you're from, right? Yeah, facts. Um, but he was highly touted. And once he got into the league, man, he started developing that. And I mean, let's just call it what it is, an inferiority complex, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that this complex definitely deepened when a guy like Leno, who, let's be real, he was, he, like, I mean, on paper, he's stomping out Leno, right? But then Leno yeah. comes through, has that prodigy level advancement progression and passes him to the point where we're at now in the present. And obviously, that's not going to play well with Furuhashi's psyche, right? Um, I think that, and I, I, I touched on this toward the end of my notes, but I would just mention now since we're on that subject, right? But I, I honestly believe that there could be a point where Furuhashi is tempted in some way. It could be kaijuification. It could be some illegal. It could be some from the enemy. 
But I feel like he, he's, he, his mental state is putting him in a position where he's going to feel cornered and it's going to feel like the only way for him to balance out the scales is for him to cheat. Um, that's what I feel. I'm just throwing it out there because we've seen, I feel like we've seen this type of character before. Um, I mean, look at Sasuke, right? The moment oh. Naruto, like, showing any type of, hey, bro, I'm leaving you behind. Sasuke's like, hey, Orochimaru, what'd you say about that? You said you needed my neck, bro? All right, cool. You said, yeah. but I could be Naruto, though, right? Bet, 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 bet. All right, just don't look me in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm just going to throw that theory out there. But getting back to my notes in the order, uh, I, I didn't like the way they did that this chapter and last chapter, how they'll put full release, and then it's just like, Oh, it's just forty three percent combat power. Full release, not but not a hundred percent. Like, but you know what I mean. Like, it, if you're gonna yeah. say something like full release, man, that's that's like you shouting out your ultimate like attack. Like, all right, uh, like 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 Ichigo going like Getsuga Tensho, and then like a little baby slice comes out. You know, so, like I don't know. That it, basically he was going like Ko Ken yeah. times one. Yeah, it's like so, you had to shout uh-huh. that out. <laughs> Isn't that just you? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Ihadu did something like that last chapter too. Remember when he was like full combat release? And it's like, oh, but that that's not that's not even what I thought that was. Um, but I will say, okay, getting on Leno, full release in number six suit at 43%. First of all, he's almost like he's in a crazed state. I don't want to say feral, but I will say mm-hmm. like somewhat like manic, especially as he kept on increasing the power he was drawing from the suit. Um, the charge up looks crazy. You know what I wish for? And this is something you called out. I got to give you credit, bro. Remember how you said like it looked like the tubes would like kind of drop in, mm-hmm. like how they like kind of push or whatever. I was, I thought that's what was going to go down, but didn't look like that's what went down. But I, I, that would be sick to like see and see it animated. Um, but the charge up mm-hmm. does look crazy. Um, it looks like with the increased combat power, right, at 43%, he has more control over the ice powers. Uh, and this is what we're surmising was Kaiju number six is actually one of his, or one of its actual abilities. We don't know the gender of a Kaiju. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you'll agree, Leno was channeling his inner Broly, apparently, because he kept tapping into more power as the battle progressed. Like I just, I just saw Vegeta's face. Like the motherfuckers mm-hmm. learning as, as learning as, as he, he fights. fights. I was like, yo, um, I feel like Captain Ogata has been a little annoying to me uh, in these past two chapters. Okay. Not in the sense of like him protecting Leno, but there were there was a statement he made last chapter and a statement he made this chapter um, that kind of pissed me off. And it's like. First of all, he's teasing us with a, no, this is, you know, and then he's saying, this is bad. And it just seems disingenuous because last chapter he was all, if you can't handle it, I'll step in. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, right? Well, it's now or never, playboy. Like, what, what are you doing, bro? Like, this would be the time. Obviously, it looks like something's off. Like, you may have seen something in the past or you may have seen something documented, but this apparently this situation isn't new to you. You know something. What are you doing just being like, this is bad? No. Uh, blah, yeah, bro, blah, blah, blah. Like, get in there. Handle your business. You, you were the one who said, like, I don't think you should do this. The moment I see any sign of trouble, I'm pulling you out. I'm going to handle it myself. Like, okay. This is a sign of trouble. Th- let's, let's get it, bro. Like, act on your words. Like, be the this captain that you're, you're, you're portraying or else, like, go back to being the crazy drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a sign of trouble. Um, But whatever. 
that's neither here nor there. Uh, but when Leno was like, I'm just fine. In fact, my head has never been clearer. Bro, we can see the veins in your face and your pupils are hella small. Like, <laughs> there's yeah, man, obviously something going wrong right, right now. Um, yeah, how do look at mad worried about that? And the, okay, so my theory that I mentioned at the beginning aside, I think he's going to be the clincher in uh, snapping Leno back to his senses. What are you going to tell him the sun's getting really low? <laughs> <laughs> just had that ready to go. <laughs> you, just had, you just had that ready. <laughs> no, <laughs> it just came to me. When you just, said it. just had that ready. <laughs> Sun's getting pretty low, he's Leno. He's gonna touch <laughs> Leno's palm. <laughs> just gonna calm him down. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> uh, shout out Black Widow, but also shout out Thor. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, See, hopefully, that ain't how it play out. <laughs> about to get puny got it huh oh uh, but yeah. i think he'll be the clincher in uh snapping leno back to the senses but i feel like leno is experiencing some type of kaijuification uh maybe not on the physical tip but maybe it's on the mental tip right because we've seen mm-hmm. how interfacing with a kaiju can be a real shock to the mental um so i don't know maybe it's like kaiju number six is actually taking over right now I'm not 100%, uh, 100%, I sound like Sean Connery. I'm not 100% sure. Or maybe he's just about to overheat. Um, Cause like we can see the physical exertion that seems to be shown with like the, the random vascularity in his face every time he taps in a little bit more. Or, like his pupils getting like smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, I don't know, this was a wild chapter, but part of me is also like, yo, I still wanna see my boy Kafka. You know, he's the re- he's really the reason why I've gotten into this. Uh, <laughs> so once he was good with Kikoru, um, I don't know, man. You, you tell me your thoughts, Matt. A good chapter, though. Good chapter. Don't get me wrong, but let me know. Yeah, I thought it was a good chapter. Uh, my my thing was the same, not necessarily the same as you, but my thoughts were definitely like, I thought it was interesting seeing how he was tapping into more and more power and now it just seemed like he was getting more and more manic. It's like, oh, is he getting feral? And he's yeah. like, this is bad. And it's like, I just felt like it was like a, um, what, what, what was the term that they used in Pacific Rim? Like drift? Was that what it yeah. was? Were they like, when you drift like, like kaiju. Yeah, it seems like that's what's happening. Like, yep. it's like, oh, he's. His mind he's, is getting taken over. Yeah, like I think one of the things that kaiju, like maybe that kaiju was just like, hella tenacious you know what i'm saying and it's mm-hmm. like if you kind of just get into the flow of it it's just like oh now he's just gone or maybe that or you know we could be reading into it on some stuff like maybe maybe what we're seeing is like a bloodlust like an increased bloodlust because of you know this kaiju because they they obviously have this suit they've obviously had somebody else have the suit on before like they know something right they didn't just make this suit, you know what I'm saying? If they had right. to test it for other people and, and shit like so that. It's compatible, so, right? That's a good call. Exactly. Out. If they if they're doing that, then they know it's something else going on. So that's really just kind of how I was looking at it, mm-hmm. just as far as that situation was concerned. Um and like, you know, 
I thought it was interesting and it just damn near seems to be the theme of this whole manga, right? Is just don't leave me behind. Like mm-hmm. main character, Kafka is doing that. Leno is doing that with Kafka. Like everybody is doing it to somebody else. Like the entire manga is everybody just not wanting to be left behind. Like, oh, like I, I just want to be able to stand beside you type shit, you right. know? And like, I'm not necessarily mad at it. I, it's just like, I'm noticing that's kind of like a running theme. Like, right. some motherfuckers get, some some manga's theme is like friendship and apparently they shit is just, you know, fear of missing out. No, I'm playing, but. No, I don't, know, I don't think it's wrong. I mean, look, look that, at you know? Furuhashi. Like that's yeah. literally all he's like that. I mean, we got that flashback because of that, right? Like that's literally him right now. Um, but it seems like the characters handle that fear of missing out or that fear of being left behind a lot differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, that's pretty much just how I felt about the chapter. I thought it was a good chapter overall. Um, you know, it's just... You know what it is, man. It's just one of those thin weeks. This yeah. is how it played out. But yeah. uh, I'm ready to see what's going on with people a little bit closer to our main cast. But I also understand that, like, this is how you have to expand your universe. And, you know, for you would think, I'm not going to say they wouldn't. I'm not going to say they wouldn't show us people and get into it with other people if we aren't, if they aren't going to matter. Because they've done that in manga before. So I'm not going to really put that past anybody, but you know, um, the only thing that the only reason I'm really not going to complain is just because it's like, it's pretty clear that this is all building towards something like, you know, like like we've been saying, yeah, Yeah, they're all on borrowed time. You know, shake a pop off whenever. So I get it. You know, I, I like that they're, expanding you know the the universe as it were and just making us care about more characters and just putting more characters kind of within the forefront because you know that's you know if you if we care about more people in the universe and then ultimately we care about it ultimately we pay more attention so on and so forth you know right right yeah but yeah that's those are my thoughts as far as this is all concerned well hey that you're right uh, next week. Well, we we usually post our our what we'll be covering stuff like at, on Wednesday, but um, we'll definitely have a fuller roster. Uh, I yeah, all the Shonen Jump that we cover should be back next week. We won't have Kaiju. We won't, we won't have, have Kaiju. We won't have Super, and we won't have My Hero. Oh right, three weeks. Yeah. So we're, we'll just have Jujutsu Kaisen, Ayashiman, Sakamoto, possibly Hajime, and uh, Sakamoto, Sakamoto days. Yeah. All right. With that being said, let's take it to the topic of the week, which once again is Matt. Our topic of the week is martial arts influences. Right. Biggest martial arts influences. TJ, why don't you start us off? You, because you, sir, said you had a list. Okay, so in terms of martial arts influences, I will say people. Um, but in terms of martial arts, uh, Taekwondo has been in my life since I was a child. I don't practice it as much, but like it's just been around me for as long as I could remember. Um, 
in terms of martial arts. I actually practice, obviously, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is like dominant. Wrestling is pretty dominant in my life. Boxing, kickboxing are things that are have been a part of my life too and are still a part of my life to this day. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is what I compete in. But, excuse me, in terms of people, uh, first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to Fred Dagerberg. Uh, Dagerberg Academy is where I'm at, where I train. Got to give a shout out to Oscar Bravo. Got to give a shout out to Leonard Arguelles. Uh, just to name a few of like my influences, because these are people I still train with, learn from today. Uh, I gotta give a shout out to my wrestling coach, Alex Matusov, who I wouldn't have met if it weren't for Leonard Arguelles, who wouldn't have been my instructor if it weren't Fred Dagerberg having the school. So it's like, you can trace that like with Oscar Bravo, same mm-hmm. thing, et cetera. Um, in terms of like influences that I have not influenced me directly in that I've met them or anything like that, but just like through movies and stuff, bro, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, uh, Michael Jai White, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. Sammo Hung, Yuen Hua, uh, Yuen Biao, mm-hmm. Stephen Chow, Yip, Yip Man. Like, dude, uh, Wing Chun, Jun Fan, like Bruce Lee again, and Yip mm-hmm. Man with the Wing Chun. Like, bro, uh, bro, especially seen after uh, the Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, right? <laughs> especially after right. seeing the Donnie Yen, Yip Man movies. It's like, bro, come on now. And then Jet Li with Fist of, uh, what was it? Fist of Fury. Uh, Fist of Fury, but also Fearless. I don't know if you ever saw Fearless. Oh, yeah. Which is technically speaking the prequel to the whole Yip Man and like the Chinese uh, martial arts, Kung Fu martial arts association that he developed, which like started Wushu. That's neither here mm-hmm. nor there. I'm going to start nerding out. But like, bro. And like Jet Li was a part of the Wushu. Never. Okay. But yeah, bro. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, low key Chuck Norris. I'm not gonna lie, man. I was on that Walker, Texas Ranger. He does a flying sidekick through a windshield in the intro. Uh, his politics are neither here nor there, but Chuck Norris, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Power Rangers, obviously, Ninja Turtles, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> on the martial arts tricking and stunt side, uh, martial arts tricking, Anise Churfa, like just the sharpness of this dude kicking and flipping and twisting in the air uh, is ridiculous. He's he's like, I know him from tricking and like, shout out to my boy, uh, Simon. Shout out to my boy, Daniel P. RIP to my boy, he, he passed away a few years ago, uh, Dexter mm-hmm. M. But like, mm-hmm. and shout out to my brother, Anthony, who's in Korea, was like, we were all big into tricking and Anish Churfa, Daniel Graham, were two of like the biggest trickers we were watching like back in like the mid 2000s, like mid, I, I want to say mid 2000, early 2010s to mid 2010s, back when I was like tricking a lot, uh, which out of context sounds bad, but I mean, martial arts tricking, not sound that thing, all right, we're here. But uh, Anish Churfa, man, like he's done stunts for like Marvel movies, Tron, like Disney, you, Star Wars, you name it. But it's like, this dude has a flash kick that if you see it, you'll rec- you don't even have to see a name, you'll know it's him. Uh, like this man also had an influence on like, I don't know if, you, uh, if you've ever watched like Marshall Club on like YouTube, Instagram, like Andy Lee, Brian Lee or whatever, uh, mm. but he's had an influence on them. Uh, Daniel Graham, like this dude is an OG in the tricking game too. Like uh, Daniel Sterling, shout out to Matt Emick as well. There, there are some people I like studied and research. Um, David Douglas, same thing on the martial arts chicken tip. Uh, Mike Chattaranda, but like was a Power Ranger, but also a legit martial artist. And also not that many degrees of separation between him and me because he also knows Fred Dagerberg and all the people who came out of Sharky's Karate, uh, Matt Mullins. Shout out. 
I'm getting, I'm all over the place, but back mm-hmm. to Daniel you, Graham. You on a roll. Back to Daniel Graham. Like, all I got to say is this. When you saw Black Panther in the movie theater, he was the one wearing the suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I got to say. Him, Aaron Tony, uh, they're like, bro, uh, Mark Musashi on the guy. Go- I'm going to just, <laughs> all right, <laughs> let me rein myself back in. Uh, but I got to give a shout out to some of my local homies too, because they were the ones who actually uh, kind of helped me on my journey in martial arts chicken and almost got me into stunt work. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Manny Manzanares, uh, mm-hmm. uh, big in the stunt world now. But I remember when this dude was putting things together, grinding, constantly editing, releasing like fight choreo videos, like like short films and stuff. Uh, this, these are also some of my friend, uh, my boy, my brother, Anthony's homies too. Like Anthony introduced me to them, but Manny Manzanares, uh, Sean Bernal and Alexander Hashioka Oatfield. Like these dudes, I, I, I'm like speechless when I think of them. Cause I, I remember seeing these dudes working so hard and seeing where they are today. Marvel movies, like doing like movies in Thailand, bro. Like action movies, fight choreography, like pre-visualization, whatever you want to say. Bro, like, they're not, they're, I, I feel like they're linked up with some of the John Wick folks, like, the studios behind John It's like, I, I, I can't even, I'm going to stop. Matt, you go. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, I was like, all over the place. But, like, yeah, these are some of my martial art influences. Like, shout out to the homies and just, um, they, they've been inspirations to, like, what I aspire in terms of my training and and what I'd like to be or what I want to look like when I'm performing things, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But that's me, that's me. All over the place. <laughs> this yeah, is no, not a definitive do, list. This is not, a, if I miss you, my bad, don't don't come after me in my DMs, but it's what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I, I'll obviously echo uh, a handful of the ones that you have, but uh, for sure, some people that have influenced me are definitely people that I've been in the gym with people that I've worked with directly. Like, you know, my coach, Rick Ramos, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jessica McCaskill of taking things from her, Summer Lynn, um, even Brandy, who's about to make her pro debut soon. Brandy Robinson, I've taken some stuff from her. Like I kind of try to learn really from everybody and things that benefit them, you know, and seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, what things you can take and that can work for you and maybe may not, but just, You know, I'm like combat sports, like just nerd, period. So, Mm -hmm. like, I've watched like tape. Like, I mean, I'm talking about I've watched VHS, man. Yeah, like for real, like on all levels. Like, I've watched old kickboxing. Like, there, if there's violence included, if it's competitive violence, I've watched it. Like, I've watched Lithway fights. You know what I'm saying? Like, multiple. Like, I know different fighters that do. You know, they do that sport. Like, I watch the bare knuckle. I watch Muay Thai. I watch kickboxing. There is a difference. You know, um, I've, you know, I watch boxing. I watch martial arts demonstrations, even. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll take it that far. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, we talking about uh, film and stuff like that. Like, man, I've watched old Jet Li uh, Wushu demos. Like I've watched his old competition footage from like when he was a kid doing yeah. demos. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have some of that stuff on VHS. Um, you know, obviously just 
you know, like a Jackie Chan, a Jet Li, Bruce Lee, stuff like that. Like I remember making the connection that uh, that Chinese, not Chinese connection, but that Fist of Fury is Jet Li's remake of Chinese connection. Yeah. Yep. And like, just, you know, when I made that realization for the first time, it was like, oh my God, this is like, you know what I'm saying? It was crazy just cause I watched both movies in the same day. Like when I was younger, cause my mom, that's what me and my mom used to do all the time. Like mm-hmm. we used to always watch Kung Fu movies and stuff. And I was like, this is the same movie. You know, um, you know, the infamous man, I'm, we gonna have to talk, we'll, we'll talk offline about the differences between those movies. Cause boy, oh boy. Bruce Lee was doing some things in Chinese Connection. That's all I'm gonna say. There, but there was like a like on a on a social tip too, like on an activism tip with Bruce Lee's movie that you don't really see as much in Jet Li's movie. Um, yeah, different there was time, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. different uh, times. It was like a little less propaganda ish, e if that's even a way to say it. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, um, as far as like actual, you know, like fighters or things like that, or what have you, like Pernell Whitaker, Marvin Hagler, you know, Dominic, uh, uh, what's his name? Gosh, Dominic Cruz, gosh, I cannot forget, believe I even forgot that for like a second. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Dominic Cruz, you know, um, even like DJ to a degree and stuff, but like I've watched uh, like there's even different kickboxers that I'm into or like Muay Thai fighters. Like obviously there's like a Sanchai and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but there was like- Wakar. <laughs> yeah, right. But then there's also like a lot of people who made a made a transition over or like, you know, like one big thing I found, and this is, I promise it's going to come back around. But one big thing I found was like, there were a decent amount of guys who had a lot of success in Muay Thai that like represented Thailand and like the Olympics and shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like these are guys that are like had super legit like boxing backgrounds or like, but did like boxing is just a supplementary thing for their Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And used it with like, it made their Muay Thai, you know, more dangerous. Like they were harder to deal with. Like, you know, uh, like Toshido Fujiwara, like, He's another guy that was like a kickboxer that was really, really good, but also had somewhat of like um, a kickboxing background or like Samart Paya Karun from like, you know, from Thailand. That was a guy that had like a crazy, and I'm probably butchering his name. I'm so sorry. Um, but he was another like guy that had a very successful boxing and Muay Thai career. But like mm-hmm. the utilization, everybody kind of had like different things. Like, utilization of angles and things like that and throwing power punches off angles but using that angle to turn people around and stuff which i don't know man it's like there's just so many different it's the art yeah it's just the art itself it's like i'm just a fan of martial arts period Mm -hmm. so it's very easy to be not necessarily easy to be influenced but it's easy to find something that you like you know what I'm saying? And really just kind of go down a rabbit hole. I mean, shoot, you could go as far back. Like I've been influenced by Gokan Saki with just some of his inside work and the creativity of the combinations that he would throw, mm-hmm. you know, on people. Obviously like people like Israel Adesanya, um, just as far as also as well, you know, for him is his creativity and 
things like that, or Nikki Holskin, you know, mm-hmm. um, Cedric Dumbe, you know, Danny Bill. You know, so just, I have to say, oh, Danny Bill, dude, that's that's an OG name right there. <laughs> bro, I'm trying He's to tell you, I know what I'm talking He's about, one of man. The first man, and Cedric is making that transition to MMA, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's uh, what shout you out Cameroon. <laughs> shout out Cameroon. That's what you uh, But yeah. Yeah, Badahari, like Sanchai, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's people pretty much everywhere, like on all levels that are, have influenced me, whether it's, you know, with their work ethic um, or some of their training regimen or even just the way that they carry themselves or the way that they perform, you know, when it's time to perform. Because that's that's really what we, what it's all about. Everything is about, you know, really that moment when it's time to put all your practice and stuff into application. So, you know, in a very roundabout way, I kind of gave the same answer. Those were just some of the names that I could like and this, think of off the top of my head. I want to reiterate too, and I think I speak for both of us. This is not a definitive list. Like, no, not at all. This These is just constantly evolving. Exactly, exactly. Um, with that, want to close this out, man? Yeah, man. Thank you guys for checking us out again. Um, so far, I think based off how this has been going, we're just going to continue to split these episodes. So thank you for checking us out for another episode of the Now Mind You podcast. Um, Next week, you can look forward to us chopping it up about Sakamoto Days, Ayashiman, and Jujutsu Jujutsu Kaisen, Kaisen. not to mention Hajime no Ippo. That's always up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And our topic of the week next week is going to be our favorite or the biggest menace in anime. Not the actual <laughs> biggest one, but, you know, at, to us, our personal. There, there may be some recency bias with that. <laughs> there can definitely be some recency bias, and that's fine. But, that, but that'll be our topic for the week next knowing week. Knowing us, we'll probably also have a runner-up. Um, but yeah. Always. It's yeah. damn near always that. Um, you can follow me on social media at Matt Hambrick, M-A-T-T. H-A-M-B-R-I-C. TJ, where can they follow you? At Tuss4 underscore skate. That's T-U-S-S number four underscore S-K-A-T-E on the gram. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us collectively, the Now Mind You podcast, wherever you get your social media. And you can follow our podcast wherever you get your podcast. True. Just look up Now Mind You podcast. You can find it pretty much everywhere. It's all one word. Yes. And I have a blessed that- one. Yep, yep. Hey, it's May. Enjoy yourselves. Peace. And you may have forgot that Belly Laser is a bitch, but I did not forget. We didn't even get a My Hero this week. <laughs> we don't got to get one. We didn't even get a My the Hero point this week. Has to stay. <laughs> it, right. it is what it is. All right, y'all. We'll see you in the combat episode. Peace. Peace.